everyone. Welcome to TLCC again. My name is Christian. I'm our director of pastoral ministries and happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers out there. I have the great privilege of interviewing my mother, Sharon, for Mother's Day today. Happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you. Great to spend some time with you and hear a little bit of your story uh, as a part of our Soul Rest series that we've been in lately. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thanks. Very good. I'd just like to start by saying it's a privilege to share this day and this time with you. Um, I want to say a special Happy Mother's Day to all of my girlfriends from TLCC and to say that I love you, I miss you so much, I miss worshiping with you, I miss serving with you, and I miss our hugs and our talks in the lobby before and after church, and I can't wait to see you again, and I hope you have a wonderful um, day today. I also want to say a happy Mother's Day to my beautiful mother, my mother-in-law, my sister, my daughter, daughter-in-law, my sister-in-law, my nieces, all the women in my life, I love you. Um, my best friend, Sherry. I'm surrounded by so many wonderful women, and I just want to say I love you and I hope you have a happy Mother's Day. Awesome. Well, um, I know people always love hearing your voice when they get to hear it. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we have to peer in to hear it because of the, the, the quiet demeanor in which you carry yourself and speak. And so I'm really excited to talk with you today about some of your experiences as a mother, as a professional, as someone in ministry, um, as someone just seeking after Christ, uh, with your experiences and some of your accomplishments by God's grace, and talk a little bit about uh, how you've experienced soul rest in your life and uh, the many things that you've, uh, that you've gone through. So I'd love to dig in a little bit uh, to how you got involved in ministry and some of that process and experience. Did you always imagine or picture going into ministry, being a part of a church in the way that you have been for most of your life at this point? I think deep down in my soul, I knew I probably would be in ministry. I just, um, for one, it's all I knew, but it was just natural for, for me, I guess. There was a time in my teenage years that um, I kind of fought it a little bit and thought, no, I didn't want to do that. Um, and maybe that's where I got it from. <laughs> actually, I wanted to be a nurse. When I was about 16, 17 years old, I remember a night um, when I was praying, I just had a, a real change of heart. And I just said, okay, God, that's, you know, if that's what you want me to do. That's what I'll do. And um, so here I am. Mm. What did that vision of ministry look like? For you at that point when you considered what ministry would would be what your future would look like how'd you picture it um i didn't really know for sure i had a feeling that i you know that i would marry a man that would was uh, in full-time ministry as well my theory is always that um I, I think a pastor's wife should have her calling as well because ministry can get um can be difficult at times and so i had to have my own calling i couldn't just marry a pastor or a preacher um, and just do my own thing mm. because we were we would be ministering together so I had to have my own calling yeah so um, you met dad at some point and I've heard his end of the story many times of you guys meeting and um, he comes across like an interesting character 
even on his side of the story, but I don't know if I'd ever heard you tell your side of the story of meeting him in your first interaction. Would you mind telling us that? Here now? Yeah. <laughs> so I was um, going to Bible college in Indiana. My parents had, had moved to Indiana because uh, my dad had helped to start this Bible college there, and I was attending the college. We had a mutual friend, and um, somebody came one day and said, hey, there's this guy that's here. Um, he says, you know, he's wanting to meet you. He's um, an evangelist, and he came, you know, because he wants to meet you. Well, I was not. He, he came because he wanted to meet you? Came to the college to visit this mutual friend because he wanted to meet me. Oh, I've never heard this before. Yeah. And so I was like, no, I'm not interested. I don't know who this guy is. I'm not interested. And so I wouldn't hang around after classes at the college because I didn't want to meet this guy. <laughs> so there was a basketball game. So I, I was at the game and well and behold, this Terry Smith guy was there. And we were introduced to each other. What he didn't know was my brother-in-law was there, was playing basketball with on the team, and uh, I guess heard Terry, after he met me, say that he was gonna marry me. Well, that really made me mad. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so, um, you weren't looking to marry an arrogant man. <laughs> so, anyway, I dodged him for a little while, and then he wanted to go on a date, and so I did, and it all worked out. A couple years later, <laughs> we got married. <laughs> That's awesome. So then that kind of started, that uh, in large part kicked off the future of ministry for our family, really. Can you tell us a little bit about what those early ministry years uh, looked like? How are you guys doing ministry and uh, kind of how the family started to shape up? So your, your dad was a traveling evangelist. We traveled um, for the first two years of our marriage. We traveled from church to church and he would preach in different churches all around the country. Um, so. We, we didn't have a home at the time. We didn't need a home because we were traveling all the time. So uh, we stored all of our wedding gifts and our out-of-season clothes at my mom and dad's house um, in, in what was my bedroom. And um, we would travel from you know week to week and go different uh, places. So how did that feel for you? Because um, I know having grown up with you, a big part of your personality is like creating a uh, context of home. So I would assume there would be a certain lack of comfort in that, you know, not creating that sort of home environment. What did you do um, to create a kind of a, 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 a homely environment that you could uh, have for your family? Well, I always dreamed as a little girl, you know, my dream was to, to have a home, family, children, um, to build my little nest. And that was always a dream of mine. Well, because we were traveling, you know, I wasn't able to have a home at that time. So I got a little box and I put some of our wedding gifts in it, which I, I got two sets of the dishes, placemats, some candles, um, a little cookbook that I had gotten for a wedding shower of called Cooking for Two, um, and uh, put some framed, little framed family pictures in the box. And so then whenever we were at a place, um, that needed 
you know, that I wanted to make it feel like it was ours. Mm -hmm. I would set this stuff up and kind of, we had our little temporary home. That's cool. That's fun. So you're traveling everywhere and you're going to new churches all, all the time. You are a little shy. What was that experience like of you're basically living in a car and then wherever you get put up, wherever you travel to, um, was that awkward engaging with new people all the time like that and having to form relationships over the course of a couple of days? Yes. <laughs> it was very difficult for me because I'm more shy, but especially then I was extremely shy. And a learning curve for me was, um, of course, I was used to ministry because my dad was a pastor. And um, so we were always in, you know, around people. But I always kind of hid behind my mom and dad. You know, I was never kind of pushed out there. But then when I married a pastor um, and we were traveling, I kind of had to, you know, I was, I couldn't hide behind anybody any, anymore. Um, so, so that was quite difficult for me, being in a new place all the time. You know, your dad's the one with a big personality. And so it was quite a learning curve for me. Mm -hmm. So Mondays were wonderful because on Mondays, and we usually got in the car we traveled to the next place, so I couldn't wait for Mondays. <laughs> so that were there ever times where you were excited to get out of a church that you were visiting? <laughs> yes. So one particular church we were at, they had asked me to come on stage to say something, which was extremely out of my comfort zone, but, I, you know, I, I, I did it. So I go up there and I greet the congregation. Um, the stage was very high. There were a lot of steps. And when I turned to come down the stairs to go back to my seat before your dad was going to preach, um, the heel of my shoe caught my skirt. So I have my daughter on my hip, my shoe. Oh my. my heel catches my skirt, which has an elastic waist. <laughs> and embarrassingly, it pulls my skirt down oh. a bit in front of the whole congregation. And well, you don't really know these people that well. And I don't know them that well. So I'm hold, trying to hold my daughter, bring my skirt back up. So embarrassed. I was embarrassed from the get-go because I didn't want to go up there and talk anyway. That, that one did me in. When I, got, when I got it together, I walked down the steps. I walked straight out the back door. Back to our living quarters. You, that you were, can't recover from that. That were, we were staying there at the church. I didn't go back into the service. I didn't hear you dad preach that Sunday. I didn't go to any more services at that <laughs> church. I was so embarrassed. Did, did you think about that again when you would walk on stages at churches? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I would take the, the ramp up for the rest of the churches I would go to and avoid all stairs. Um, so that, that had to have been an interesting um, time in your life where you're living out of the car, you're traveling all over the place, um, and you don't have much space, right? Like uh, some of the typical comforts possibly. I know that if I told you that I was going to, me and Amanda were going to, you know, sell everything and take our car and, you know, drive around the country, you would probably have some questions for us because it sounds a little bit crazy. Did it feel crazy? And in the context of what we're talking about, was there 
a restlessness that came along with that because you've lost a lot of the, the, the typical comforts that we would hope for or expect, especially as, as newlyweds setting into, uh, settling into a relationship? So even though we were traveling from church to church, week to week, and we knew that's you know what we were supposed to do. We felt good about it. It was very challenging for me, you know, not having my own home, but also, um, you know, we're newlyweds and we're trying to start this new life together. And you know, it's it's in a very public arena, and um, and there was just not a, any stability um, for our. Uh, lies because of just traveling from place to place, and um, we had a little, we had a rough patch once, and um, just once. Well, no, a few <laughs> times, but um, a book was recommended to me called "Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately?" Actually, my dad recommended it, and the book, the basis is um, about who you're leaning on for your happiness. And my dad actually said to me, he said, Sharon, if you're leaning on Terry for your happiness, you're never going to be happy. And then he gave me this book, which, which basically said you have to, you know, it's pretty obvious, but I just need a reminder at that time to lean on God for my happiness, no matter where I was, no matter what was going on in my life. Because if I lean on God, he's not going to fall. He's not going to fail me. If I lean on my husband or I lean on my parents or lean on friends or lean on a particular thing, whether that be having a home, um, that those things fall, they'll fail us. Mm -hmm. And when they fall, if we're leaning on them, then we fall too. Mm -hmm. That was a, a great learning for me at that time. And I still remember that, you know, remind myself to always lean on God because um, he doesn't fall and he doesn't fail. And I've learned this from you and dad that when you are operating in the vision that God's given for your life, that even though the work might be intense, that if you're operating in the sphere, the area of destiny that God's given you, then you can rest in that work even though you might not have, again, the traditional comforts. I know that's something that I've learned from you guys, um, to, not, to not be afraid of sacrifice because of something big that God might have called us to. So eventually you guys settled down a little bit and um, you ended up working in ministry actually with dad's dad in West Virginia. What was some of that experience like? So we, we bought a house there. Your dad at this point was traveling three weeks a month and then he would spend one week a month um, helping your papa, his dad, um, at his church. And he was at this point flying in and out so um, so I could stay home with you kids. But yet I was still involved in ministry, um, helping him with his ministry, as, you know, and supporting him as much as I could. And then at um, your papa's church, he got a vision to start a, uh, a daycare. Loving kindness, right? Loving, Loving kindness, kindness child care center, Loving yes. Kindness. And so I raised my hand and said, I'll, I'll do it. So uh, I helped them to start a child care center at their church. Um, in the meantime, the house we owned there was um, in, needed a lot of work. So when I wasn't doing the daycare, I was home trying to, to remodel this house. 
Um, I had two small children. Your dad was home one week out of three. So it was um, a little that challenging. Like a <laughs> yeah, it was a little challenging. Things got a little um, out of balance for me at that, at that time. Uh, we had some friends come visit us and, and stay with us. My friend Sherry said to me, she said, Sharon, you're, you're really sick. You need to go to the doctor. I'm going to take you to the doctor. And so she took me to the doctor that day, and the doctor said, uh, you have bronchitis, a sinus infection, and mono, and oh. you need to take the next month off. So, um, so I did. I had to, uh, I had to, actually had to go to my mom and dad so my mom could take care of the kids because Terry was still traveling and um, had to take a month off. So I totally lost soul rest and physical rest yeah. during that time. Um, but it was a lesson learned for me. So did that teach you something around the nature of rest? We were talking about how we can sacrifice a lot to accomplish the call that God has for us. But sometimes we see where we might go too far and, um, and not taking care of ourselves, let's say, or allowing God to take care of us. And maybe we think we're saving the world or something like that. But God, did that, did that teach you something in that moment? Oh, absolutely. That um, I couldn't do it all. And, um, and if, I, if I wasn't taking care of myself, then I, you know, obviously I could, couldn't even take care of my kids. That's why I had to go back to my mom and dad so they could take care of my kids while I was healing. Um, and I, that, therefore I couldn't support my husband because you know, I, I wasn't really any good for anybody at that point. Mm -hmm. So, um, yes, it was uh, a lesson learned. Yeah. Well, it seems like you guys didn't learn your lesson because then you decided to move to New Jersey to start a <laughs> church. <laughs> um, how did you feel about moving to New Jersey at that point? Because you were pretty much a Midwestern and kind of Southerner up to that point in your life. Um, it was exciting and it was frightening. Exciting because, you know, it was ministry. It felt like we were um, following uh, what God was calling us to do. And so that part of it's exciting. And through all of um, our ministry, we had, we had always witnessed um, God doing, he always supplied our needs. You know, we never, we never lacked. We, ne we didn't always have a lot, but we never lacked. Mm -hmm. And so we knew the same would happen when we moved to New Jersey. The frightening part for me was that it was so different, you know, it was so different culturally and so far from my family. Yeah. And I had two small children, so what was that going to look like for them? What's an example of the difference, cultural differences that you'd experience? I'm sure there's a million of them. Yeah, but. there's, uh, I'll never forget the first time I went to ShopRite in West Orange. I'm shopping, I have my cart, I have my kids. My pocketbook was in the cart, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at the shelf shopping, and some woman comes up to me and starts yelling at me. And, well, first of all, anybody just to come up and start talking to you in the grocery store was strange to me. But she starts yelling at me, you can't leave your pocketbook in the shopping cart, blah, blah, blah. And she gives me this big lecture about it. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I have to be afraid of that too? You know, so it's, because... You even have to be afraid of the people who are trying to help you. <laughs> she, only in New Jersey will someone yell at you and help you at the same time. <laughs> so anyway, I learned you don't leave your pocketbook in the shopping cart. <laughs> but it was just very, everything just seemed so fast yeah. here. Yeah. But 
obviously the delightful things outweighed those things. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, dad telling the story one time of he got here and, and said that you could bury him here, like yeah, by well, his grave here, and you guys had just come. Yeah, we hadn't been here maybe a month or two, and we were driving past the cemetery, actually, and he said, you can go ahead and, and buy my grave plot here. And I said, don't you dare bury me here. You take me back to Indiana. <laughs> but I have since changed my mind. Oh, that's good. So at this point, you have two young children. You've just moved here, completely new culture. Um, what was the process for beginning uh, to uh, establish roots in New Jersey and for it to begin to really feel like home? One thing that really comes to my mind that really helped me to discover New Jersey and uh, to really make this feel like home. Well, I had started taking uh, Summer and Caleb. I was actually pregnant with you. I started taking them to the library and we would go um, quite a bit, so much so that the librarian, uh, we became friends with the librarian. She was very sweet and friendly. And That's a good first friend for you to have, a librarian. You guys could whisper to each other. <laughs> Um, but again, I was still very shy, and uh, so um, it was kind of awkward for me. One day, the librarian says to me, oh, I have this friend I wanted to introduce you to. She has two young girls. I think you guys would get along. And so I was like, oh, okay. And I laughed, thinking, whew, I don't know. <laughs> this is uh, difficult for me. So we left, and um, a few weeks later, we came back, and um, we checked out our books, and we're just about to slide out the door, and the librarian yells, stop, stop, Mrs. Smith, stop. So I stop, we go back in, she says, oh, she's here, she's here, I want to introduce you to this woman. Long story short, she introduces me to um, Marlene Edelman and Jessica and Heather, her two little girls at the time. Marlene then um, invited me to uh, bring you kids to Vacation Bible School um, with her the next day and then over to your house for lunch. So we did, which again was a stretch for me because I was so shy. But um, Marlene and I developed a very, very meaningful friendship through that. And um, Marlene introduced me to so many wonderful places in New Jersey, and she just opened a, a whole world for me here. Um, she introduced me to a lot of her friends. It just became a very meaningful relationship. Marlene uh, became a member of our church, and we became ministry partners together. She's like a leadership legend here at TLC. She is, absolutely. And so much so that we have a Marlene Edelman Leadership Award. Tragically, Marlene passed away from um, a horseback riding accident, and it was uh, one of the saddest things I've ever been through in my life. A huge loss. Um, I still have a hole in my heart from that. How long ago was that? That was 24 years ago, the week of Mother's Day. Um, in fact, um, her husband, Art Edelman, brought his brought Heather and Jessica, their girls, to church that Mother's Day, the first Mother's Day that she wasn't here, and um, carried her Bible and sat in the seat that she usually sat 
And, and he didn't go to church at this point. And or, at this point, he was not a believer, no. So Marlene, for me, was a soul rest person for a whole family, really. She brought so many wonderful things into our life. And um, I still glean from those years of her being here and our friendship. And I think that's a really important example. Oftentimes we think of soul rest and it's, we think of ourselves in relationship to God. Um, but one way that God cares for our souls is through people around us. And you see how Marlene impacted our family, our church in many ways. What were some of the ways that she changed the trajectory of our family's life? Well, one way, big way was homeschooling. Yeah. She introduced me to that. I really wasn't familiar with it before. If you're wondering if there's anything off or weird about the kids in our family, we were all were homeschooled. <laughs> but we had a great time with it. Again, that was one of those things that moving to New Jersey, it was just, you know, I didn't know very much about the school systems. And Marlene introduced me to homeschooling. That's kind of how we started um, homeschooling. So a lot of parents right now and mothers are going through a forced homeschooling experience. Um, I'm sure that now their ears are peaked and they're wondering homeschooling tips. What are homeschooling tips for mothers right now? Well, first of all, let me say it's so different what you're having to do today versus versus what I did. And my hat is off to you. Um, it was a choice for me. You know, it, we took it year by year and um, it was for educational reasons. It wasn't for religious reasons or whatever. We just, it was just something I felt to do and we enjoyed as a family. And I had so many, we had so many resources. And like I said, uh, we had my friend Marlene just, uh, we did so many things together, homeschooling groups, et cetera. Um, we, we were able to go to the museums and libraries and parks. And so we weren't quarantined in our home homeschooling. And I'm sure that's, I can't imagine what that's like. So my hat is off to all of you parents who have been forced into this homeschooling situation. So tips, one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time. So at that point, you're spending a lot of time at the church, carrying you know a, a large burden there. Um, you're raising dad. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you're raising three kids. Um, you're homemaking, homeschooling, all of this. H how did you stay sane amidst all of that? Um, how did you maintain soul rest as a mother and as a professional in those times uh, where you had a lot that you were dealing with? Soul care for me at that time were long drives. I, um, I love nature. I love being outdoors, as you know. Um, so sometimes on Sunday afternoons in particular, I like to find you know these little country roads. So I would drive northwest New Jersey and just uh, that would just feed my soul mm. and just look at nature and beautiful things. And then um, a little bit later, that turned into running. Running was um, a soul rest for me. Mm. And I, I, I love to do that um, while listening to praise and worship music. So now you've entered into a new phase of life. You have grown children. Uh, I'm the youngest at 27. And children who are working, doing new kinds of things. Um, what does this new phase of life 
looked like for you? You have new responsibilities here at TLCC that you've taken on uh, and now you're mothering adult children. Well, first of all, let me say that parenting never stops. You never stop laboring, caring for, worrying about, or praying for your children. I know this firsthand from the, uh, the I made extra soup text I'll get from my mom in case I want to come and pick them up from her. And I don't decline, so she keeps mothering, believe it. Yes. Let me say I have three wonderful children and one wonderful daughter-in-law. So I have four children. Oh, and my husband. Well, no. (laughs) But they're the greatest blessings of my life. And I'm also privileged to oversee K-Port ministry um, here at TLCC. I love love children, and I uh, am privileged to be able to still be a part of that ministry here. Um, I'd also like to share with moms and parents that, that are watching the tool that I've, um, I've had that I always recommend as often as I can that I love is a book by Stormy Omardian called The Power of a Praying Parent and uh, another one called The Power of Praying for Your Adult Children. And there are prayers in there that you can pray over your children. You insert their names in the prayers and just a wonderful tool, and I still use that today. And I, I write my name, my kids' names there, and I date it so I can look back and say, "Oh, I prayed that prayer for this mm-hmm. child, and I saw it answered." Or so. Yeah, that's a great tip. And I know, as your child, knowing that I had parents who were always behind me and praying for me, whatever it might be that I was going through, um, truly always meant a lot. Um, and I knew that I always had that support and that foundation no matter what I was doing. So as we close out, are there any uh, final thoughts or words that you'd like to say to some women and mothers out there? Sure. Um, well, I, j- I wanted to read a quote. One of my favorite authors is Anne Voskamp. She wrote a book called 1,000 Gifts, A Dare to Live Fully Right Where You Are. And she has an accompanying uh, devotional with that. And in it, she reminds us of the importance of living a grateful life, of being very intentionally thankful for everything. She writes that thanks isn't Pollyannaism. In fact, she quotes G.K. Chesterton, who says, I would maintain that thanks is the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. Then Anne responds and says, I wonder if this is why thanks is the highest form of thought, because this is always the right order of things. It's us laid low, and it's God on high. I just love that. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks. I know that we're in a very difficult season in our lives and in the history of our world. But I would propose that we find soul rest today with grateful hearts, thanking God in everything, not suggesting we pretend that we're happy or grateful for this pandemic. But today, let's be thankful and show gratitude for all the women in our lives who've helped us get this far in our journey. At the top of my list today is um, I'm so grateful for my mother, who was a wonderful example of a godly woman, a hard worker, and a very nurturing woman. And I'm grateful for all the women who have encouraged me growing up and all the women here at TLCC. You always inspire me to want to be better with your stories and with your lives. 
I'm so grateful for you today, and I hope you have a wonderful Mother's Day. I love you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mom, for sharing your story, some of your wisdom, and a happy Mother's Day to you. Love you. You've been an awesome mom. And I just want to let you know that um, this plant's your Mother's Day gift. <laughs> just take that, the, the fake you. plant, home with you today. No, I love you. I'd give you a hug if we weren't quarantining and uh, trying to stay apart, but um, thanks again.